Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church buildings. I've been, I've been really intrigued lately with this word blessed. And, and, and the word blessing. And it, it, these are critical words in the Bible. But here's what I've been noticing. It's not, it's not every now and then, but basically now every single day, I hear the word blessed in ways that I didn't hear it 10, 15, 20 years ago. We were at, at getting a bite just a few moments ago. I preached twice this morning, ran to the hospital. We hadn't had anything to eat, and I wanted to be able to preach without falling over, you know. So we ran to Calhoun's and got a quick salad, and we're about to leave, and the server comes up, and I thought, Donna, oh, I wish we had time to talk to him. The server comes up and says, thank you very much, walks away and goes, have a blessed day. Now, maybe you've noticed, but lots of people are saying that these days. They used to say, have a good day, have a nice day, you know. But, but, but now, occasionally, I'll hear somebody say, have a blessed day, really more than occasionally. And I started asking people, hey, can I ask you a question? Why did you specifically say that? And they smile. You know what every single person I've ever asked has told me? Something like this. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And uh, I, I don't believe in luck. Or, or, or I, just, I just wanted you to, have a, to know that I'm praying for you to have a blessed day by God. And then online, have you noticed that hashtag blessed has almost gotten to be kind of a little code statement so, so that somebody's able to say, hey, to everybody in the social media world, just know, I, I'm blessed. By, a blessing is, is something that God gives, right? So it's a way of saying, just want you to know, I'm a Christian. It's a little bit like that ancient symbol that was used for secret Christians hiding around in catacombs and trying to find other Christians to meet with when it was dangerous and there was persecution. And, and it's a little bit like that now in our changing weird culture where it's no longer a very popular thing to be a follower of Jesus, to be a part of a church family today. Actually, it's not very popular any, anymore. And so now it's hashtag blessed. You know, have a blessed day. It's that little way of saying if, if you're a follower of Jesus, we can talk. Have you seen that? And, and so I think if we're going to use this word in such a crucial way, we ought to really know what it means, right? I mean, we ought to have some idea what the word actually means. So I looked up the word, looked up the word in, in the, uh, the wonderful inspired book of Google Dictionary, okay? And here's what Google Dictionary says the word blessing means. Quote, someone very happy who has many gifts. Hmm. Someone very happy who has many gifts. Huh. And also, I think of some other crazy ways we use the word bless. I mean, we, we use the word bless in ways that seem completely disconnected. We say, um, I'm gonna, we're going to say the blessing, which means we're going to thank God for food. All right? Somebody sneezes and we say, bless you. What? I mean, and then the one I like the most, you know, from the Redneck Dictionary, you, you know that, that wonderful phrase that allows you to say anything you want about anyone, no matter how bad it is, as long as you follow it up by saying what? Bless your heart. You got it. You know, so, so you can say, have you, have you, seen, you seen brother so-and-so? He, he might be the ugliest human being I've ever seen. 
bless his heart. You know, it all's well if you just say bless their heart. Isn't that crazy when you think about the way we use this word? Well, I, I thought it'd be better to get our definition from something better than, than culture or social media or Google dictionary that says being blessed is being happy with many gifts. So I thought Jesus would be a good one to turn to. And Jesus talked a lot about it. You remember what we call the Sermon on the Mount? But we find in, in, in Luke, we find it in Matthew. Remember some of the, of the wild things that, that Jesus said? Jesus said, blessed are you when you're poor. Blessed are you when you mourn. So yeah, Jay can be blessed in an ICU ward. Mourning, missing being here. Concerned for his family and his health. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. I mean, we can go on and on, what we call the Beatitudes. Apparently, being happy and full of many gifts has absolutely nothing to do with being blessed. Not according to what God says it means. In fact, if you take every single time that the word blessed or blessing is used in the New Testament, I counted them. It's 112 times. Guess how many times it's used to mean some material blessing or, or some of the ways we generally use the word. That would be zero. It's, it's never used in the whole New Testament for anything that would mean like, um, oh, wow, I just got a pay raise. What a blessing. Now, is that wrong to say? No. It's just not what the Bible means when it says the word blessing. So let me, let me give you the general meaning of it, and then I want to walk you through a few moments in the Word of God, and then I'm going to give you a very specific definition that I hope will change the way you think about the concept of blessing for the rest of your life. Really, the, the, the biblical concept is simply this. To be blessed is to be fully satisfied in Christ, to be fully satisfied in Jesus. But I want us to go deeper than that. Open your Bible to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and I want to read you an amazing passage of Scripture. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That has always blown me away. Now, did Jesus bear our sins? Yes. Did he bear the curse of, our, uh, of the judgment of our sins? Yes. But he did more than that. He became all of it. He became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that, verse 14, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Anybody here from Jewish background? That's, this is not a trick question. If, I don't see anybody. All of us are Gentile background, which means this applies to all of us. It means we would have missed out on something really, really wonderful that we don't have to miss out on anymore. We would have missed out on it because we're not Jews, but we don't have to now. The blessing of Abraham so that we might receive the promise spirit through faith. Whoa. Now, those two words, so that, in verse 14 are known as a purpose clause in the Greek language. And what that means is, I'm now going to tell you why verse 13 happened. All right, so verse 13 says Christ has redeemed us. It's a word from, from the slave auction blocks. If you redeemed a slave in ancient times, it means you went to them and you said, I have paid all of the price so, so to, to purchase you. And now you are free. 
There, it's like slavery does not exist for you any longer. It was very rare for somebody to do that in the ancient world. More than half the Roman world were slaves. Do you know that? But, but when somebody did it, it had to be motivated by a supernatural kind of love because they were taking somebody from slavery to freedom and they could never be enslaved again. Once you were redeemed, you were free. That's what Jesus did for us, for all of us, every one of us by becoming a curse for us. Why? So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing of Abraham might come to us, the Gentiles. You know what the purpose of the cross is? We just read it. The purpose of the cross is a blessing. Think about that. The purpose of the cross is a blessing. Now understand this. The, The greatest and longest lasting blessings in the Bible come through weakness and pain, not strength and happiness. So think about, think about a, a few of them. Moses, Lord, I, what did you say? You want me to go to Pharaoh? Have you listened to me? I stutter all around. I don't even know how to speak. I couldn't do anything like this for you. I, 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 I don't know how. Besides, I, you know, I kind of murdered a man here recently. <laughs> and yet through Moses, the people of Israel were set free. Or Isaiah, I've already mentioned him, in the temple. Everybody else was running away from God, and he runs to God in, in the temple And he's overwhelmed. He goes, I'm broken. I am ruined and wrecked by my sin. And the Lord says, well, I'm redeeming you. I'm atoning for your sin. And now I'm gonna send you in my name. Or a teenage girl named Mary, who's terrified. She's been found out. She's pregnant. Who's gonna believe that she's never had sex? Who's gonna believe she hasn't betrayed her husband? And from that pain and fear came the Savior of the world. Peter, broken, crushed. He's denied Jesus. He's out crying his eyes out. He's the one who became the first pastor of the first church. And on and on we could go to the point where we would get to an old man on a piece of rock in the Mediterranean, alone, persecuted, and exiled. And he's sitting on that rock when the Spirit of God speaks to him. And what we have is the last book of the Bible called the Revelation that tells us that all is going to be well. Jesus is coming again. Every one of those things happen from weakness and pain, not strength and happiness. So the purpose of the cross itself is a blessing. And God is in the business of taking your curse and making it a blessing. If you've ever heard me speak, you've probably heard me talk about Gary Witherall. Gary's my spiritual coach. His wife was murdered by Al-Qaeda as a missionary. They were missionaries in the Middle East. Um, Gary, we'll get him here one day to speak and encourage you. Gary and I hang out in some dark places in the world, um, sharing the gospel with the same people that murdered his first wife. I love him. He's absolutely amazing, and he teaches me, and he's bold, and he really does believe that life is Jesus and it's, risk even worth, it's, it's worth even risking life to follow him and to share him. Well, we haven't been able to go overseas together. Gary lives overseas, but with COVID, we haven't been able to do that. So he came to the States. We spend time together every year. And he came here and we went hiking. And while we were hiking, uh, I told you the story of how Gary said, let's just talk about Jesus all day long. Let's talk to him, about him, with him, to others all day long. So we're, we're talking about him and we're talking to Jesus uh, and talking about Jesus and uh, Gary said this to me. He said, you know, I still, I'm still sorrowful. Now, I remarried him. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. He's got four, 
I did his wedding. I mean, he's got four wonderful children. There, I mean, it, th- this is 20 years ago when Bonnie was murdered. But he told me, I'm still grieving. I'll never get over it. I, I love my wife. I love my family. But it's impossible to get over seeing your wife in a pool of blood from a terrorist. And, and he said, and I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to get over it. And we started talking about, about suffering and grief. And Gary said this, it was so powerful, I made him say it twice so I could write it down. Quote, I have not, not found the antidote for my sorrow in the, in the 20th century Western church. So he's talking mostly about uh, those who've been writing in the, in the last century. I mean, e- even now, he said, I've, I've not found the antidote. He said, we immediately go to Romans 8, 28. That passage says God's gonna work all things together for good. It's a great passage. Why? Because we want everything to be all right, but we miss lament. Lament. Lament is, lament is worshiping, is worshiping in your pain. He said, we miss, listen to this, life for Jesus' sake alone as joyful life even when everything is not all right. He said, the early Christian leaders saw Jesus in the nightmare, not after it. Gary is getting his PhD in patristic theology. It means the theology and the teaching of the very early Christians, the leaders of the early church, like Augustine and and Irenaeus and Tertullian, maybe people you've never even heard of. Gary's getting a PhD in studying them because he says they, they got it that Jesus is even in the nightmare. We want to run past it, want to run past it, but Jesus meets us in it and we don't want to miss it. I said, what is the antidote for your sorrow? He said, it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and he is in the valley of the shadow with me, not just on the other side waiting for me. Wow, man. That kind of depth, that deep kind of water, that only comes from somebody who's watched his wife murdered and forgave and walked through it. So when we have times we don't understand, when we go through times where where we we, we don't feel the blessing, it feels like a, a curse, remember that the Lord is with you in the valley, not waiting on the other side, and he will take the curse and make it a blessing. He's doing it for Jay right now, just don't know how. He'll do it for you and whatever you face. Because the very purpose, according to Jesus, according to his word of the cross, is a blessing. And nothing can take away the blessing of the cross. All right, second thing I want you to see, a blessing is always a commissioning. A blessing is always a commissioning, or in other words, ascending, ascending out. You know, he doesn't say that the purpose of the cross is a blessing, but the blessing. It's a specific blessing. Which one? The blessing of Abraham is what he says. What's the blessing of Abraham? Let me show you. In Genesis chapter 12, God literally forms his people. He forms the Jewish nation. And he calls out this guy named Abram, who later was called Abraham. And he says in verse one, um, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you. He didn't give him a map. He said, follow me. I'm gonna show you as you go. And called out this man of faith to see if he would actually obey and, and go. And he said, if you do it, here's what I'll do. I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'll bless you. There's that word, bless. And I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Let me read that again. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I'll curse. Listen to this. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be 
blessed. The purpose of a blessing is always a commissioning. The Lord never blesses you. He never gives you any kind of, of blessing and, and says, are, you're to be satisfied with me. I'm, I'm giving you blessings, so you're satisfied with me, right? Now keep it to yourself. Never does he do that. The purpose of a blessing is always a commissioning. You know, um, you've heard me say this before if you've heard me preach here, that I think the greatest sin of the church in America is the failure to share the good news of Jesus with others. We become very centered on our own needs. And I believe post-COVID, God is raising up a church. You're not here because you're supposed to be. You're not here because somebody told you to be. You're here because you love Jesus and you've found a place where others love you. And now, if you'll allow God to, he will knit your heart with others and he will send you out to share his love. What if we prayed as passionately as a church for God to use us to reach others as we pray for our own needs. I want you to think right now, what are the three things you need the most in your life? This is not a trick question. There's nothing wrong with recognizing what you need. What are the three things you need most in your life right now? God knows them. He wants you to tell them about, tell them, about them. What, are, are some of them really, really desperate? So, so what, what is it for you? Now, do you pray about those things desperately? Maybe not even that. But if you do, if you do, let's say one of those things was the person you love the most in the world has a very serious illness. When that happens, we get serious about prayer, right? God, save him, save her. Please, God, please don't take him. Please, God, we get serious. What if we got that serious about those who don't know Jesus? What if we did? If today, if I'm preaching right here and this is the last moment of my life, if it is, by the way, please tell everybody what a great life it's been. I mean, I feel like I've lived 10 lives already. But if I keel over right here and I go to be with Jesus today, I am going to be with Jesus today. I've had a great life. I'll live with him forever. I'm not sure what the downside of any of that is. But if there's somebody singing here today and you don't know Jesus and this is your last day, you're gonna face eternity apart from God. Which should we be more concerned about when we pray? What if we started asking God to take us to lost people, to love them and share with them? What if we started asking God in our small groups to make us exist for the purpose of joining Jesus and his commissioning and his mission to seek and save lost people? Do you think he would answer that prayer? I think he would. I think we'd see miracles happen. One of the prayers of my life is that every day possibly that I can, the Lord will give me opportunities to share his love every single day. And, and I miss a lot of those days. But I, I think those are the days that tend to be more wasted days in my life. But what I found is it's not really that hard. I can ask a server at a restaurant to pray if I can pray for them. I can share with them how Jesus said, the greatest thing you ever do is serve. And so what you do is great. I've had servers break into tears when I said, do you know that Jesus views you as great? What you do as great, as more, more important in his eyes than a president or a king? Do you realize that? I've had servers break into tears. It's not very hard to say to somebody, you know, I really care about you. Because I care about you, I don't know if you would be open. I would love to tell you about the most important thing in my life. Most people will go, well, sure. And you tell them about Jesus. It's really not that hard. But I think if we'd ask God, he'd make our life and our church into such an adventure, we'd never get over it. I, I, I've got so many stories like this. Let me tell you one of them um, that I think these are just the direct answers. I can't do this. I can't manipulate this. I just ask God every day, usually in the shower. I, I, you know, I, I'm in the shower and I'm going, God, I'm too dumb to live this day. I'll mess it all up. Please help me see through Jesus' eyes today. So I was in Beirut, Lebanon. And 
I got in a taxi one day, and the taxi driver spoke perfect English. I thought, well, that's unique. That's unusual. We're driving along, and I thought, I need to share the gospel with this guy. The Lord has given me, um, in, a, in a Muslim country, a taxi driver who speaks perfect English. What a dummy I'd be if I didn't hear the Lord say. So I start sharing the gospel with him, and he slows down. He turns around. He looks at me. He's listening to me, and I thought, uh-oh, I may be in trouble here. He's going to take me to the nearest terrorist outlet. I'm in real trouble here, you know? And he pulls over to the side of the road and turns off the meter. Then I really thought I was in trouble. And he turns around, and he goes, are you a follower of Jesus? I said, well, yes. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He said, well, I am too. He said, of course, I grew up in Islam, but I became a follower of Jesus. You're my brother. He said, I turned off the meter. I, I, can we talk? We start talking. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but I've been praying for God to bring an American into my, an American follower of Jesus into my taxi. I said, you've been praying that? He goes, yeah. I, I said, why? He said, because my brother Eli is still a Muslim, and he lives in America, and I need an American who would share the gospel with my brother. I said, well, that is really cool. Where does your brother live? Now, listen, I've watched God do this kind of stuff so much. I almost knew what was coming. He said, South Carolina. I said, huh, um, what city in South Carolina? He said, Florence, South Carolina. He said, it's not a very big city. You probably never heard of it. Yes, I have, since my mother and father and sister and brother all lived there at one point, and everybody, my brother still did. And I told him, I said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to be in Florence, South Carolina in about two weeks' time. And I said, and my father and I are going to walk into the restaurant. He'd already told me, my, my brother owns a restaurant. I know that restaurant. We're going to walk into that restaurant. And you tell your brother, we're coming. You get him ready, and we're going to share the gospel with him. I mean, we're crying. We're praying. I mean, I, can you believe? I'm so pumped. So I, I call my dad. Dad and I, we get together. Man, we pray. We, we pull up in the car. We get out. We walk into the restaurant. We open the door, and I ask for Ely. And this guy comes out from the back room, and he looks at us with wide eyes, and he goes, are you the guy my brother told me about? <laughs> I said, yes, I am, and this is my father. And uh, he goes, well, I'm a Muslim. And, and I said, that's what I understand. I said, I have a question for you. What do you think the odds are that it's an accident that your brother prayed for a Christian to get in his taxi cab from America? And that's what happened. And then it just so happens that my family lives right here down the road from your restaurant where you live and your brother's praying for you. He said, there is no possibility. It's absolutely, infinitely impossible. I said, so what does that mean to you? God must have sent you, but I'm a Muslim. <laughs> And I said, well, what do you think God would want you to do? Listen to you. I said, let's talk. And we sat down for hours and shared the gospel with him and answered all his questions. And at the end of that time, Eli was no longer a Muslim because Eli gave his life to Jesus and became our brother in Christ. How cool is that? I've never forgotten that as long as I live. One day, I was, when I was pastor over First Baptist Concord, somebody uh, came up to me and said, hey, do you know a guy named Eli? yeah. I led him to Jesus. He goes, well, he's moved now to our city and, and, and he's been discipled in our church. <laughs> Don't you want in on stuff like that? I mean, how many of you want to get to heaven and have God say, listen, I love you. All your sins are forgiven. You're never going to cry another tear. But if you want one last one, you can have it. Here's the thousand opportunities you had for stories like that. And all you had to do was just, just, just one person. <laughs> That's it. It's not that hard. But a blessing... 
is always a commissioning. Abraham was called to be a blessing to the nations. You and I are too, and we can be if we want to be. And, and the last thing, a blessing is always a filling. Always a filling. We go back to Galatians. The last of that passage says that, that the other reason for the cross is that we, in the blessing of Abraham, is that we might receive the promised spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine, don't be consumed and filled with other things, with anything that controls us except Jesus, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know why we're not filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not because we're empty, it's because we're full of something else. Anything, it doesn't have to be alcohol, anything can control our, our lives. We can be filled and really drunk and controlled by almost anything, but only God blesses. Only God blesses. So you think the Lord would say, hey, I, I want you to command you to be full of the Spirit. I, I, I want you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, but I'm going to make it really hard on you. No. No, what he wants is for us today to say, Lord, I want a, I want a blessing. I want a blessing. And now I understand what it is a lot better. It's not just to have my bills paid or to be healthy. Those are blessings in a sense. They're all blessings from God, but that's not the ultimate meaning of blessing. Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. And I, I want, Lord, I, I want to understand the cross better. And I want, Lord, to be commissioned and sent to others. I want that blessing, Lord. And I want the blessing of the fullness of your spirit. So, Lord, would you empty out everything in me that is junk? And would you replace it with your spirit? And you know what he says to that? Yes, I will. Because I promised that I would. And that is what a blessing is. So here's my definition of a blessing. Now, the next time you use the word blessing, the next time you say, God bless you, you know, I, I, for me, since I've done this study, I'll go, I'll go, bless you, brother. And I'll go, ooh, ooh, wait, wait, step back. Do I really mean that? Do I know what I'm saying? Do I know what I'm wishing this person? Here's, here's what you're really saying. To be blessed, it's to be joyfully filled by God so we say yes to go with God. Let me say that again. To be blessed is to be joyfully filled by God so we say yes to go with God. And he's always going to set people free. So we get to go with him. Isn't that cool stuff? I love this word blessed and blessing now like I never have before. And I wanna finish with one last concept of this word blessing and an opportunity for everybody here that would want it. In the, in the scriptures and still today in many parts of the, of the Jewish culture, the blessing of a father is absolutely crucial. In the Old Testament, we see it. Abraham blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob. Jacob blesses Joseph. And on and on it goes. The blessing of a father was absolutely critical. And, and remember, they were, they were passing down what a real blessing was, to be satisfied with God. They were preparing for the cross of Jesus. And they were reminding that if we are blessed, we must be a blessing. That is why we're blessed. For a Jew in ancient times and for serious Jews today, to not have the blessing of the Father is a very serious problem. Had the opportunity to meet a man years ago named Mafud. Mafud in the Middle East is known by his nickname, Baby Jesus. Because he's a Muslim who came to Christ and he's so much like Jesus, people call him little Jesus or baby Jesus. Mafud has seven bullet holes in his abdomen. 
None of them hit anything crucial. But there were Muslims who twice, it was two shootings, seven bullets in total, trying to kill him because he'd become a follower of Jesus. He's been run off mountains in the car, roll, 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 and not injured. He just survived a very serious case of COVID, and he's still sharing the gospel. He pulls up his shirt, says to Muslims, this is what you did to me because I became a follower of Jesus. Would you like to know why I love you? With his seven bullet holes? My food, I'd been with him two or three times and come to love him. And we had an opportunity to um, minister to those in that part of the world who had lost loved ones to ISIS, to martyrdom, and there were so many that had. And um, at the end of that, Mafood came to me and he said, I have a problem. He said, I know I'm gonna be martyred. I'm gonna be a Stephen. He said, but my father has rejected me because I follow Jesus and I've never had the blessing of a father. And he said, I have a very serious request for you. He said, for me, a man in this Arab culture, to not have the blessing of a father is worse than death. And he said, would you be willing, Pastor John, to be my father for five minutes? I don't need anything from you. I don't need money. I don't need anything but a blessing. And could you stand in as my father? And would you pray a prayer of blessing like Abraham did for Isaac and Isaac did for Jacob? Would you do that for me? I said, my food, you ought to pray a blessing over me. I don't have bullet holes in me for the gospel. And he begged me, please, don't let me die without the blessing of a father. So I gathered others around, and one of the great privileges of my life was to put my hand upon his head and pray the blessing of a father over my adopted son. As soon as I did that, this full-grown man, almost martyred so many times, put his head on my shoulder like a little baby. I think you'll see the picture of it up on the screen. There he is. And I've never gotten over it. And I wonder if there's anybody here today that would like the blessing of a father. You, you know what the Lord says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, I think? He says, I'm going to be your father and you're going to be my son and daughter. I, I'm willing to be a five-minute father right now. I'm nothing, but I can be a stand-in. But you don't really need me. You don't need a five-minute father, father when you have a forever father. But would everybody just stand together? And as we end, um, maybe, maybe you didn't have what I had. I had a father who openly blessed us and told us what it meant to be a man and a, a, a mother who openly blessed us and loved us and, and showed our daughters what it meant to be, to be a woman. I had that. Not everybody does. And sometimes even when you did, you look back and you go, I don't think I've had the blessing of a father. I don't, I don't think I've, I've had that prayed over me. Maybe I've not even thought about it. And if you would like that, I'll do it right now. And so if you would like the blessing of a father, you want to live the rest of your life knowing you have the biblical blessing of a father prayed over you. Would you just come down to the front and just join me down here? And I'm just going to pray over you for a minute and we're going to be done. And uh, we'll just give you a moment for that. And after we pray, we'll sing and we'll be, we'll be finished. So it doesn't mean you had a bad father or a bad mother, but if you want the blessing of a father, this is serious business to me, so I'm asking you to leave where you are and just come right down here and stand right here. It's going to be my privilege to pray over you a biblical blessing just like we see happening in the Scriptures. I'm just going to be quiet for a moment and see who the Lord leads down here. And 
I'm going to pray, get ready, and then we'll pray together. Pray a prayer of blessing. coming as God leads you. Lord, thank you for all these who are coming. Oh, Lord, see your sons and daughters. <laughs> Here they are. They just want the blessing of a father. How precious this is. Anyone else? Lord, I'm not anything. I'm just a five-minute father. But you're everything. You're our forever father. And Lord, in your word, you've, you've given us such amazing truth, such incredible blessing. And Lord, we, by your promise, have the right to receive that blessing to receive it as our own from you. And so I come to stand in just for a moment for, for a dad. And I pray a forever father blessing over every man and woman standing before me. I pray that you would, for the rest of their life, let them remember this moment when you blessed them and a guy that it's not important if they ever remember his name, told them about what it really means to be blessed. So Lord, I pray that you would give them the full understanding of the grace and mercy that has forgiven them of every sin. I pray that you would give them the full picture of the curse that has been taken from them and is being transformed into a blessing. I pray that you would right now let every one of them see that you, the great shepherd, are with them in the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. They don't have to wait for the other side. You are with them right now. And I pray that every one of them would know that they've been redeemed from the slave block. They'll never, never be auctioned to the devil again. There's no chance of it. They'll never spend a minute in hell. The worst thing that could ever happen to them you can transform into the best. I pray that every one of them would know the blessings of love, the love of their family, the love of their family of faith, the love of their forever father. And now as Abraham blessed Isaac and Isaac blessed Jacob, I bless each of these sons and daughters. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you, the God of peace, will sanctify them completely will make their whole spirit and soul and body to be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. And I praise you, Father, 
that you are faithful and you will do it. And we go forth from here blessed, blessed by our Father. Never to be without a blessing of a Father again. We receive it. We go in that joy and we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen.